Hello, everyone. My name is Joanne Lockwood, and I am your host for the Inclusion Bites podcast. In this series, I will be interviewing a number of amazing people and simply having a conversation around the subject of inclusion, belonging, and generally making the world a better place for everyone to thrive. If you'd like to join me in the future, then please do drop me a line to joe.lockwood at cchangehappen.co.uk. That's S-double-E, changehappen.co.uk. You'll be able to catch up with all of the previous shows on iTunes, Spotify, and the usual places. So plug in the headphones, grab a decaf, and let's get going. Today is episode 20, with the title, Anti-Racism Isn't Rocket Science. I'll have the absolute honor and privilege to be joined by Miro van Hasted. I met Miro recently at an online event and discovered we both share a passion for inclusion. Miro describes herself as a vessel through which knowledge and wisdom manifests. When I asked Miro to describe her superpower, she said she creates solid ground. Hello, Miro. Welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. <laughs> Hi, Joe. Hey. <laughs> Good to be here. And welcome. Welcome. So who is Miro? Tell me a bit about yourself. Well, um, like you said, uh, Merel van Haastert. Uh, I live in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. I'm a uh, wise woman, uh, a crone. I'm, uh, I turned 51 just a couple of days ago. Uh, I'm a proud woman. I have a, I'm a single parent and I have a beautiful son. That's uh, that's me and uh, privately and uh I have my own company called Solid Ground, which again comes back. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, I do energy work and spiritual work uh, uh, where I guide people uh, through, well, any problems they have, uh, something that comes up in their life when they get stuck. That's what I, that's my, um, my business. Ah, so... You said you're a crone. I mean, I, I know of that word, but what do you what do you mean by a, a wise woman and crone? Well, it's it's the one thing I've uh, always been passionate about. As as a little girl, I knew I was going to thrive when I was older, and I always wanted to be a wise woman, a crone, uh, some somebody with knowledge and and sharing that knowledge, or you know being of service, not even sharing knowledge that I have myself, but that comes through me. Like you said, I feel like a vessel where uh, knowledge and, and wisdom comes through. I always wanted to be this, but it took me a very long time. Well, of course, in years, but also to feel confident enough to to stand my ground there. And and now I'm 50. I'm, I'm like, I'm this young new crone. <laughs> Yay! I'm happy about that. <laughs> so I'm actually finally in the place where I wanted to be. So yeah, that's. So you, you were born to be fifty. Basically, you were born to be in your fifties and have this this lived experience that you can share and amplify for others. Yeah, yeah. I, I've always wanted to be this, and I'm, I'm I'm feeling like I've got a lot more years to go. So I'm finally there. This has all been preparation before it. So when I turned 30, I didn't have that like, oh, God, I'm turning 30. I'm turning old. I'm actually quite going like, yay, finally. (laughs) (laughs) Superb. Uh, I know what you mean. You you have this sort of each decade, you you find something more about yourself, don't you? And I think I've certainly learned a lot more about myself since I turned 50. And uh, you become... I think they, I think 50 is the new 40. We used to say this about our 40s, but I think we're much wiser now in our 50s. And uh, Yeah, I've got, was, I've, I've got this new sense of energy, this this new sense of being that, that isn't so rocky. I don't want to be my in my 20s again. I, I liked it, and I like being a youth, but it's so uncertain. I'm not that uncertain anymore. I know who I am and what the world, so I can now exchange between the world and me more than I could when I was younger. And and, and I've got something to say, you know, I've, I've, I've got some, and not just stuff that I, I've learned, but also I listen much better to people. I know, because you're not constantly thinking, taking it personal, because I know who I am, I've learned. 
Very good point. Yes, I think if we stop trying to be anybody else other than ourselves, haven't we? That's yeah. We don't need to be. We've we've been other people all our lives: a parent, a, a, a child, a, a sibling, and now we're us, aren't we? I yeah. think that's where it comes in. Yeah, yeah it's a good, fantastic, very good age. And I, yeah, so I actually think it's better than I thought it was. I did. I of course, as a young girl, you don't know what it's like. Over a young person, you don't know what that's going to be like. But it's it's actually, I want to tell my younger self or even other young people going like, but this is awesome. <laughs> this, this Hurry, awesome. come 50 quickly. <laughs> yeah, come 50. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't worry about it. No. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yay. <laughs> Fantastic. So we, we got chatting the other day um, at this online event and – Anti-racism is something that uh, we as white people um, probably don't understand enough. So why isn't it rocket science? Why isn't it rocket science? Um, it actually, if you take off the blinders, <laughs> it, it that you can do yourself. It is nothing that, that is out there that you don't know. You already know. It's all the information is there. There's nothing you have to do. You just have to see it. And, and uh, that is, of course, difficult because there are a lot of uh, layers put upon us and, and you know, um, uh, indoctrination and, and, and all sorts of ideas and stuff that are put up, uh, on top of us. But your soul knows. So there's nothing new about this. There's nothing that you you you, you won't understand. It, it it's it's your defense mechanism that kicks in. But that's it. The rest of it, you just have to listen and then go like, oh, but that's actually quite normal that people are the same. Everybody's the same. The skin color doesn't do anything. It nothing. There's nothing there. So if you know when we when we are young and we're going to to school for the first time, you are taught to help others, to see people as equals, and 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 there's there's as young kids we have no filter put in there yet to um, to see people as different. So if you go back to that. And feel like, oh yeah, but I, I never never saw my friend different because she or he had a different skin color. It was just, you know, Jack or whoever, Daisy. Uh, it wasn't. If you go back to that, that's it. That's then from there you can understand all the uh, different strategies that that are used to put racism and white supremacy in in place. Does that make so, any sense to you? Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as a, as a as, as a as a white person myself, it's really challenging to sort of think about racism, and it's not about ourselves. It's, it's about the, the the societal and structural racism more as much as it is about the casual racism and the vindictive or discriminatory racism that occurs in day to day life. So as a white person, how do I how do I drill through that? How do I how do I try and really unpack about because it's it's not it's not about the racism I've caused, is it? It's about the racism that exists in society and the inequity that occurs. Yeah, I think that that the white people take it very personal, and that 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 because you take it as an individual, as an individual CEO. But I don't have these beliefs. I don't see you any differently. But it's a system. It's a system there that has that that uh, you were born into. It's not it's not something that you did. You, you you didn't think like okay, let's discriminate against whomever or whatever. You know, uh, it could be gender or or sexuality. You you don't think like um, consciously think okay, let's discriminate. It's a system that you're brought into. Like you go to school and you learn about your ABCs and you learn about calculation. And, and through all these messages, you get how society works. This is how, And then you start as a child, you start relating to, okay, my parents asked this of me or society asked that of me. And that's how you uh, learn how the world works. So it's, 
what what white people forget is that uh, there is white culture. There actually does it, it it exists. We don't see it, but it's uh, it's the set of values and norms and all that stuff that you get imprinted, and that imprint is how you act in the world, and that's and that's. That is not your soul. It has nothing to do with you being a human. That's how I how I see it. It's it's. Yeah. So is that the same as kind of the default is white? So if we're looking for a photograph, the default photograph is of a white person. Um, we're looking at pictures of in your various faith groups, uh, pictures of our our faith leaders, of historical faith leaders, they're always shown as white people, aren't they, with beards and and golden hair. So we've built this very white as default sort of way of looking at the world, haven't we? And and when we think as a white person, we we always think about white people. We don't think in our narrative about non-white people as part of our picture, do we? No, no, we don't. It's, it's, you don't even realize that it happens because you're so used to all the books being with the same pictures and, and, and the movies being about the, you know, there are a little bit of in the background or on the, the edges, there are some people of color there. Like, you know, you are, it's like, you know, that there's a little bit of a blanket of the world with different groups, but, but, the narrative is is white, but we never call it that way. We never uh, mention it that it's uh, uh, that you are a, a specific group. And that's that's part of that. That's where the um, uh, how do you say that um, decolonization starts when dismantling starts when you realize that you are of white culture and then then you can start to see the difference between system and the individual and how that works mm. I, I mean you're aware of my my gender transition and my background and i do you know in the same way we see white as default we often see men male as default as well in a lot of narratives in movies and and the heroes and and when we're looking at roles and expectations man is kind of the default and having <laughs> moved to the other side for whatever better way of describing it um i now see that default from a different angle uh, whereas once i was immersed in that and saw no problem now i i i i'm i'm now feeling the wind in my face as i've as i as i travel um of seeing all this inequity of, of representation so and I, I don't want to get off the topic of racism and i'm not trying to uh, talk here about gender but uh, i think unless you've come out of a, a place where you are in the default and gone to a place where you're not the default. You cannot understand what it's like to be the default, if that makes sense. So for, for white people like ourselves, we can never stop being white. And therefore, our privilege is the same as water and oxygen. You know, it's all around us. And we can't tell it's there because we can't see it. Yeah, you can, you, can, you, can never, you can never get away from it. It is not something that you take off. It is the, the privilege is there. You can't put it away. You can't say to when you when you're going through security at an airport, say to this 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 officer that's standing there, well, treat me like the like the person you did with the different skin color. And now it, it, it doesn't work that way. So that that's also why you don't see it. I think that you you touched upon something that I was thinking about. Just thinking about that, that there needs to be a bit of a. <clears throat> breakdown somewhere and i'm i'm saying with what you just said you've had a, a, a that gender uh, change um i've had some breakdown in my life too uh like divorce and uh uh losing a job when the crisis uh, went on about 10 years ago it started uh, an economical crisis um, there needs to be a bit of a breakdown that gives you an entry towards seeing the world a little bit, the the larger scope of the world. So there, you have an strangely enough, you have an advantage when you are not f- uh, the standard in the world. Like 
you know, in white people, there's, of course, there's a standard. We have a high a hierarchy in within white people, too. But if you, nobody fully fits this standard, but the amount that you don't fit into that standard gives you the opportunity to see uh, from a different point of view, see different perspectives. That means also means that you can um, pick up on different perspectives. And then you start seeing, then you can, it's like a, something that you, you turn out of yourself, you, you know, like, that's not the right word. Um, <clears throat> you, 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 you zoom out of yourself a little bit and then, and, and that's this, this break, this breakdown of norms and values that helps you to see other plights, other narratives. So, uh, I mean, if you look at some of the, the terminology and phraseologies that's evolved over the years, I mean, we talk about uh, uh, people of color, POC, we talk about BAME, um, we talk about BME, we now talk about BIPOC, we talk all these sort of various terms for categorizing people who are not white, whereas there is no kind of categorization as such for whiteness, is there? We don't talk about a bit white or very white or English white or brown or, or French white. We just, we just have, we just are, again, it's default where, and, and some of these terms I, I understand are quite, um, maybe not offensive to some people, but they certainly are stereotyping people. They're grouping people that not every person who is not white is the same. And we, we, we kind of marginalize and erase lived experiences by, by categorizing people as black, Asian, minority, ethnics. And it's kind of that, that so understates people's lived experience as a, as a community, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and, and it, it does because you keep, you have white as the default, it all it all is related to as not white, or, or you know, it's a default, and the centering is still white. That is that is like you put yourself in the center of the world, and then then everything has to relate to you. And that's that's how we do it at, at first. It's it's really weird, actually. Yeah, I think it, I started laughing like like a little bit white, less white that kind of thing. <laughs> it's it actually uh, there is a little bit of it because I live in the Netherlands and we have some uh, uh, Polish people here. We don't consider them white. We consider them foreigners. It's 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 so there is a hierarchy within white. Mm, I, I had this conversation uh, about a year ago with with someone, and we're talking about inclusion. And th there are there are good immigrants, and there are bad immigrants, aren't there? And I was talking to this person who was Dutch themselves, and I said, "Well, as a Dutch person in the UK, you're a good immigrant. We like Dutch people. Um, uh, French people, we make our own jokes about, and Germans, we make our own jokes about, and Italians, we make other jokes around. So that, but if you came from the sort of the, the old." Eastern Europe, uh, Poland, Romania, Bulgaria, Albania, anywhere that is maybe east of Germany, effectively, what would be considered maybe part of the Soviet Union or part of that, that kind of, um, sort of 70s image of, of, of communism. Yeah. We see these people as, as less intelligent. We see them as, uh, chances, uh, often maybe more crooked. And we cast these doubts on people who are, uh, are not good immigrants. And uh, it's shocking to hear the, the language in the media, the way that people are described, and the way that their accents are kind of demonized in a way. Because I, you know, I think there's almost a, 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 a people would say people from Estonia are good immigrants, because they're kind of clean and very well spoken where someone from Lithuania sounds a bit darker. And, and so there's a whole load of new stereotypes are coming now. And again, racism is more than just white people and black people. There's also racism within communities, within faith groups, within religions, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you don't have probably in England the same, but you, I'm going to ask you about that because in the Netherlands, Within the country, there's also, you know, this, uh, we have these different accents that we consider not so bright, not so good. Uh, and, and I lived in Thailand for a while and I and worked there. 
And it's a huge country, of course, not one of the biggest, but a huge country. And then I, I was thinking about the Netherlands. If you do, <clears throat> you're, you're through it, right? <laughs> it's like one and a half hours or almost maybe two and you're, it's done. <laughs> and then we have this, then I'm, then I think about the, the way we categorize and label people just from the area they're from is the Netherlands. We're a post stamp on the, on the, uh, but even there, there, there are parts from the Netherlands where you're from means that you're a certain kind of way, or we think that you're more intelligent or not. Is this going on in England too? Yeah, I think that's when we, we would call it white supremacy. We have a lot of English nationalism going on about anything non-British is kind of, is not as good. And inevitably that, that leads people to be racist because what they mean when they talk about being British, they mean white British. They don't mean whatever British. There's a kind of still this kind of, um, if you're not white and British, you're not British. And that's kind of, there's a certain sector in society that still sees that. And that, that's abhorrent to me. And it, it's, but it's again, part of this white is default. And you know, England is a, or United Kingdom is a kind of a white default society. And it's taking a lot to, to change people's minds. And there's a lot of rejection of, of the Black Lives Matter movement. There's a lot of fight back against, against this movement by a sect of British society. And it's, it's shocking to see, but that those kind of attitudes still exist, but they do. We saw it with Brexit. We saw it with this nationalistic protectionism. Um, we want to protect this country for the white British people. And if you're not white British, then you should go. And, and I, and it's, it's hard fighting back again. And I don't, I don't even necessarily think that's privilege speaking. In fact, a lot of these people I would say are not speaking from a point of privilege. They're speaking from a point of, of nationalism, almost like this. I dare say, I'm not, I don't want to stress, stress, stress too far into saying fascist views, extreme right wing views. Um, but a lot of it is, is, is spelling from that, I think. Yeah. And it, it says it's, it's the same in, in the Netherlands. Um, you, England and the Netherlands have a bit of a, 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 well, have similarities where they colonized parts of this world, like, and they called it the part of their kingdom. And uh, you, you still have the Commonwealth, I think. That's one of the words that, that, that's used. In the Netherlands, we don't use it, but we have, of course, had uh, Indonesia, um, uh, Suriname, uh, some islands in the um, uh, Caribbean. And uh, strangely enough, when, when I grew up, I knew these areas were there, but I now recall that I never thought of them as being Dutch. While they were included in our, our you know, in our laws and our, in everything, I never considered them Dutch. So, when when you have these problems right now with the demonstrations for uh, in in the Netherlands, uh, trying to uh, get the conversation going about systemic racism and white supremacy, people still keep yelling at these people with a different skin color than white, like go back to your country because they don't consider they never thought that that Suriname was part of the Netherlands. It, of course, it wasn't, but by law it was. And and but we here too. Dutch means white, means white person from the Netherlands. You and 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 there are large groups. I live in Rotterdam, and that it means that we have seventy percent of our inhabitants have a different cultural or you know background than Dutch. So. How is it still possible that just this minority gets to say, you know, just us is what matters, that, that that's what we do it for, N nothing else. You know, you 70%. That means 70% of the city has to go. Then the city will shut down. Just this city. <laughs> and this goes mm. to the rest of the world as well. Yeah, I mean, you, you're touching on colonialism now, which is uh... – so the, the Brits, the, the Dutch, the Portuguese, the Spanish, 
Um, and even if you think about the Italians and the Roman Empire, there's a, there's been a lot of colonialism going on by white Europeans, if you like, um, trading religion for for wealth. And we give you our religion and destroy your culture, and we steal your wealth and your your um, your heritage. I was at a a, a Tutankhamun exhibition at the uh, at the Saatchi Gallery in London, I think, last year, and I I didn't look at it with the right lens. I, I've 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 replayed that visit with a different lens, and basically, um, white privileged people went to Egypt, dug holes in their ground, stole all their goods, brought them back to the UK, and it was almost like. We we were the colonial masters, and we we were we we felt entitled to do that. And I I look at it now and thinking, all the stuff we hold at the British Museum that's from Egypt, from Greece, from ancient civilizations that we hold, and quite rightly, the governments of these uh, countries want their artifacts back. And I, I think it's important that we understand whose artifacts they are, or, or, and the culturalism of, of where they came from. And this is again part of the the British or the the Western white culture, is that we feel an sense of entitlement to the world's history. The white people wrote history, and actually, what we need to do is understand that white people didn't write the history. White people created some bad history and some bad events. But there's plenty of cultures out there that were managing quite happily without white people coming along and giving them religion. Yeah. stealing all their goods yeah there there's a, a i don't i'm i'm not so good with names but there was a, a woman that recently said or said like um, our history does not exist unless white people were there once white people came there history or all of a sudden existed again in from their lens from from the, through the white lens and um it's in our genes somehow because probably you've had this experience as well, is that you grow up and you know that there's a big world and you want to see it and you travel it, right? You, you've got a passport that gives you access to it. I have a passport, a, a Dutch passport that gives me almost access to almost anywhere in the world. And I don't even think about it. And uh, uh, it means that that we are so used to thinking that we can just go and and be anywhere without asking, without it's not a, not even asking. It's just you know considering the other person. We this is this is this is what we've grown up with. That and that's this system thing again. This is not personal. It's this system thing that that you you are our ancestors have given us this idea that the world is ours and we can take whatever we want with it and and just just to mention because there's going to be criticism here it happens every time and that is like but in all those countries and all in years before racism you know like slavery came all these other cultures also did uh, enslave people and stuff yeah that happened too but the Dutch, the English, the Spanish, the Portuguese, the French, they, what we did was we made it a worldwide economy. We made it a, uh, we, we put it on a global scale. That's the, that is what, to me, what racism is. We made it, uh, uh an, our default economy. Yeah. And we built the wealth of our country off the back of that. Yeah. So, our power and privilege today has actually been built off the the wealth that we plundered and appropriated from these other cultures. Yeah, and we spread it worldwide. We spread it globally. Yeah. And of course, there was you know uh, the Chinese and and the Mongolians with Genghis Khan and Genghis Khan. Or how do you say that? Um, and and there are you know there 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 Middle Eastern cultures that that had uh, black people from Africa as slaves and all that existed, but we we round about fourteen hundreds we started to lift it through to a level that is that where we are now <laughs> that that's a continuum. We we also started using science to justify it. Yeah. 
we were we I was reading some um, some shocking journals and some summary journals from the eighteen nineteen hundreds where eminent professors and scientists of the time were measuring people's skulls and determining that white men had to be more intelligent because of their skull shape black people because of the way their skull was 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 developing and the size and proportions meant their brain could never be as as intelligent as a white person's and even at the same time we were looking at women's skulls and saying that women couldn't be as intelligent as a man because of the shape and size of their skull so we we were we were using science to justify white supremacy and that narrative has continued in that feeling that you know, white people are more intelligent, black people or, or non-white people, non-men are less intelligent because there's no way their brain capacity can be as good as a white person, a white man. And we've seen that through this sort of kind of white Victorian Edwardian privilege in the UK being propagated that this is a high privileged society that has this entitled belief that they are better. Yeah, we think and we're involved. Yeah. We've evolved. Yeah. That's what we, yeah. we we're thinking that we've evolved past all this violence and past all this stupidity, and 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 we are this uh, ratio, very well behaved, got the best norms and values in the world. That's that's the that's what we grow up with, and 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 people go like, well, well, slavery was abolished. Uh, I, I think it was forty years earlier at your place than than ours. We were quite late. Um, but it's not in the past. With this COVID nineteen, they're they're testing vaccines in in Africa on on black people. <laughs> they are. This, that is that is that is classic racism. That is classic white supremacy, still going on. We can't test it in our country because that wouldn't be allowed. But we can go somewhere else where their standards are less, they they value life less. Therefore, we can get away with it. No, and it, it is shocking, and I'm not sure how it's justified. Whether we've identified the fact that disproportionately black people are affected more by COVID, and therefore it's justified on that bound. I don't know, but you're right. We 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 use the. We even still call it the third world in some some areas. We we, we we're the first world. I and, this up, John. Yeah. I really believed this. I'm not not above any of this. I've believed this. I thought indeed that we in the West, this this Western, and, and we're we're talking some specific countries, right? England, the Netherlands, Germany, Denmark, the the Scandinavian uh, France. Uh, Spain, uh, Spain and Portugal, and a little bit of of uh, Italy and uh, Switzerland. That's it. That that whole little. And I thought we had it going on. I really thought we had democracy. We have ratio. We have science. We have we've we've uh, we're living in a safe country. Uh, it, there's no war. There's no. There was nothing going on. I really believed that. Uh, there were third world countries where the only thing they had to do was go up up on our level and we needed to help them get up to our level and then then the world would be fine and it, it's so so what we're saying is we need black people to act like white people in order to be as accepted in the, in the world in the same way we want women to act like men so that they're accepted in the world so we want to assimilate everyone to the same ideals as as, as being a white man and, and isn't isn't that what we're doing with privilege we we assume that the higher the, 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 this this privileged structure we have in in society when in our western society is all based around this this default norm isn't it which is the white man and the further you stray around stray away from that the less valuable you're seeing the less worthy you're seeing and that's that's the challenge isn't it and when we then we put intersectionality into the mix where we've got people's age race um faith, beliefs, and gender, and, and sexuality in there, that, that leads to massive more inequities, doesn't it? Yeah. And then, and then that also means, that also explains why white people think that uh, if you're living in Jamaica and you're not making it yet in the world, that it's your personal fault, that, that you're not making it or that you're poor, that, that, that it's a personal thing. And, and all this stuff is never, has never been personal. It, it, it's just 
to make this system work, to make this economy work, to make this power work that we have and, and, and keep it in place. And, and <clears throat> once you stray from it, you will, you will immediately feel that the system does not want you to change. Because, mm. uh, yeah, the, the Western world we've been talking about, you know, the, the original Eurovision contest countries, um, uh, we we built our, our economies on, on power and wealth and control, haven't we? If we don't have control of the markets, we don't have control of the wealth, then we lose our status amongst our our friends, if you like, our other privileged countries. So we're always competing against who we see as our, our competing economies uh, rather than seeing other countries like India and China or Russia or, or someone who is a bad or lesser part of the world. We want to compete and be more equal with better than the French, better than the Germans, better than the Dutch, better than the Americans. And we assume that everybody else has the same attitude, but in reality, people value different things out of life and society, don't they? Yeah. There's a lot of, well, it, it is what white people fear. This is, this is the fear that we will lose something that, and, and I don't think that if you, you would ask somebody that they really know what their, what their fear, lo- what losing means then, but it's like position in this world where you mentioned it's, it's, uh, uh, we think that we we're going to fall back to a lesser standard somehow. This is what we think. But that's only because we see other cultures and other parts in the world as less as us. That's that, that, and they're, they're, of course, you know, I don't want to go all life, ma- all lives matter. Cause of course that's true. But the system says to us that it, doesn't matter that, that it that it matters it matters where you come from and that's why we think that the rest of the world is uh, strange and 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 violent and uh, people have values and norms that are not ours so then there must be bad uh, if you if you step away from that you will you will find that that people, have of course other values and other ideas about life and that could actually be enriching it is enriching to have people think differently than you and and it's not a step back everything that comes into our country the netherlands and i'm i'm assuming it's the same in england um if, if there are more if if more people with the uh, Islam faith come in, we Im- immediately think, oh, but that, that will, uh, we will start going oppressing women again. You know, uh, our, our feministic um, uh, ideas will, will take a plunge. <laughs> it's not true. It is not true. No, but the media, it feeds us this stuff. Right back from as soon as television was invented, the movies were invented, uh, the newspapers. Uh, we were we the media have been creating stories that sell newspapers, they sell films, they sell, and the reason they sell is because they create conflict, they create challenge, they create some narrative that is different to everyday life. Um, I was speaking to a, an editor of a, of a, a Sunday paper, a National Sunday paper in the UK about something recently and and they basically said to me that the anti-brigade have something to talk about whereas the the people just getting on with their lives has is no story you know person gets up in the morning smiles goes to work comes home um puts kids to bed goes to sleep it's not news so unless you're creating news and creating some debate or creating some challenge you're not newsworthy so the media is picking up on these these stories of the middle east these stories of china these stories of russia these stories of, of, of people who are different to us and almost saying we are the default these people are different and creating story about it so no wonder we've been fed these images of poor people in Africa with flies and pot bellies and and need of our support for drought and then painting their countries as dictators and and backwards. And 
we we somehow talk about them being at risk of nuclear weapons. How can we trust these people with weapons? We we see as them running in the street with firing rifles in the air and 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 acting like. Yeah, the media is almost saying acting like savages. We can't trust these people. So this is what the media is putting into our living rooms every day. How often do we stop and walk a step back and go, actually, they're not. But now we see people from Syria, from other countries, Afghanistan, as refugees. We see these, these highly intelligent business people who are now reduced to carrying all their possessions on their back with their families and walking for hundreds of miles to try and find a better life. And we just see them as scrounging peasants that's that's what the media is portraying them we don't see the lived experience behind these people the story of tragedy about how these these people from fantastic communities have lost everything through war through no fault of their own are being displaced and we're devaluing them aren't we and that's that's what the media is telling us it's like an intravenous every day it's like a that's what you call it right like you get get this or microaggression or little, yeah. you know, yeah. little pinpricks all the time yeah it's in, it, it get it drips into us every single day and and then that's how we see the world and that's what creates this fear that's why white people are so scared right now because because the, the the bad man the bad people are coming for us and they want our world they want what and and we've created all this we've created all this you know, if you t- if if you if you take all their wealth and and destroy everything, of course they they're they're going to go like, well, hey, you know, you said this is the first world, and uh, all this wealth is here. We're coming, and it's not they're gold diggers. You know, they're ra- you know these people would love to go home. They really would love to go home to back to their com- own countries, and live there, raise their 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 kids in, within their families and that stuff it's not they're they're not coming for us there's no there's no storyline there there's, there's it, like you said it's created with these images and we bombard it and that we have to save them that's this this is white saviorism there's a whole structure of 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 beliefs and ideas and feelings and emotions that are constantly being triggered in us. They're, they're, they're tapping into it every single day just just to keep this trigger going. It's trauma. It's actually trauma triggering. They're going to keep doing it so that we keep saying like, no, shut our borders for these refugees. We, our country is too full. And, 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 and I was... Um, uh, in the south of France recently, and I was flying over the uh, the ocean there, which is called the uh, the the same ocean that, that people use. The English Channel, or the, uh, from Turkey to to uh, Greece. Uh, uh, the Adriatic is it? The Adriatic is it? I'm, I'm not really sure, uh, but that the same ocean. And I was, and I remember going there as a child, thinking, "Oh, this this lovely place." And now I'm flying over it, and I'm thinking, "We're letting people die there because of our ideas." That's the only thing. That's the only reason that's that that is happening. And it's and and it it's upon us to to change our own minds, and we can. We're intelligent human beings. We can. If you create, you know, it's very simple to me. If you create one set of rules. You can also create another set of rules. You can just chuck it and just say, okay, let's do it differently. It's, it's possible. You know, we can, if, if the whole COVID thing actually showed us that, you know, by one, one day, all of it was shut down. Everything was done. We now have different rules. Okay, fine. Then just say, okay, this is not working for our world. This is, and, 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 it has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with spreading of wealth. And, and that, you know, like that is a thing. It isn't a thing. This, this whole economy is just in our heads. At least that's what I think. It might be very simple to say it like that, but that's how I view it. It's really simple. Well, we start off this uh, podcast by calling the title "Anti-Racism Work is Not Rocket Science," and the more we're talking about it, is it, it is a bit of rocket science. There's a, there's a lot in it, isn't there? That we we need to get our heads around, and it's not it's not something we just pick off the off a menu and say, oh, "This is how I do it." There's a lot of there's a lot of unpacking to do. So, why is it so hard for white people to talk about racism? What are the big obstacles that you see? Um. 
first of all, what you what you mentioned earlier is that you're you are in it. You are white, so that makes it difficult to see it. Um, so that's a challenge. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't come to a point where you start thinking differently, or you know, did you change your thinking around certain stuff? But that's you. We are not used to being uh, uh, viewed as a group, white people as a group, as a culture. That's the first thing. If you if you would do that, say okay, like we do with other cultures, like with names you you mentioned earlier, the labels that we have. Um, if you just say, okay, if I am a group, if I am white from white culture, what does that mean for the rest of the world? Then you have an entrance to, to, to start unpacking and why it is difficult. There are a couple of things why it's difficult. I'm not, it's not, I have no full extent, but one of the things is, um, people from other cultures say to us like, well, you are in the position of power you can change things. But um, strangely enough, within white culture, this is what I've discovered, is we talk of this um, freedom of speech, that we have this, uh, this ability and freedom to share our thoughts and all this, you know. And, and, and uh, yes, there is, you can share it. But actually, if you look at it, it's, not, it's really frowned upon to uh, go against authority. Within white culture, it is not uh, okay to challenge authority. We say it is, and then you get these nice groups that have this, you know, they're, they're contained in, in, within an ideology or stuff, and we, we tolerate it, but actually go against uh, our leaders and that starts young, right? That, that's that's that start. That's not just our government, but that starts young within our families, within school. There's authority, always authority, and it's not good to, to. It's not okay to challenge it. So that's this is what white people feel is when they that when they say like, oh, but maybe this point of view is not really what the world is like. And I'm I'm starting to question it. You immediately feel this going like, okay, if I do that, then I'll be placed outside of the group. And we're we're we are uh, trained to stay within the herd. That is what we are trained to do. And and this means if you do anti-racism work or start even thinking about it, like equality or or inclusion then immediately you feel that you are placed outside of this group and you are taught from a very early age that you're nothing without family. You're nothing. And, and I'm sure you can relate to it. I can relate to it from in different in, in instances in my life uh, that I've placed myself outside of the group. And then you're, I, and then you're alone. And that, that is a scary thing for a human being to be alone with this massive force of, of structure and system that is going against you and, 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 and being able to step out of it and, and say, okay, but I'm okay here. That is difficult. That is what, that is the big challenge. Yeah. I, I think what, what I'm feeling myself is that whilst I myself have not directly being racist, directly coarse racism. I, I obviously, as a white person, I benefit from being the default. But it's extremely challenging for an individual to influence the social construct as, as an individual of racism, the social construct of, of society. So it, it's, it's not just something we can do within an organization, within a business. We, we ourselves can promote anti-racism. We can talk about how we can do this, but how, how do we as white people who want to do something about this change society itself because that's fundamentally what we're talking about here is this is not a a tweak this is a fundamental realignment yeah and it and it's it 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 is it's scary to to raise your voice 
and and to say, well, this is not okay. I don't agree with this. Uh, um, and I think that will be in any structure that you know where you uh, challenge uh, authority and power. That 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 is. So it's it, it's not like that I have privilege as a white woman, which means I'm on this, you know, I'm the step down from a white man, which means I've got a lot of power in this world. It is not power that I can actually, how do you say that? Uh, wield, wield. wield yeah. Uh, yeah. Into something that, okay, now let's change society. <laughs> um, but you, you need community. And that, I think that is what we're, what I'm trying to do too, is speaking up about this so that uh, it resonates with others and others start coming into this community of feeling like, okay, there might, we need some change, but this change won't happen within the system. This, 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 of course, there needs to be stuff done there, but the change happens when you as an individual step outside of this group and say, I want to live, uh, in a different world, I want to live in a world where where I can where I won't be scared of, of foreigners or of, of people coming into my country or taking my jobs. Just just actually saying, okay, I'm not going to do that. Um, and that that I think I think that that I believe in a kind of tipping point kind of thing. If more most more people start saying, okay, this is not okay, then the the thing will tip. And it's it's a long process. It's a very long process. And it's very painful because on the one hand, it's it is individual. You 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 change your individual points of views. That means, like I said, I do energy work and spiritual work. You you change your vibration, you know, your your being, and that resonates with others. That's how change actually happens. So it's individual work while and then enough people have to get there, then we can challenge some some uh, ideas around it. It's 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 not a linear world a thing, you know. In the Western world, sorry, my in the Western world, we uh, uh, <laughs> sorry for people thinking why am I because my cat. <laughs> Going. Another lockdown special. We've got the cat visiting. I mean, we've had mothers, we've had uh, the Amazon man, and now we have the cat. <laughs> People can't see this, but you could see I'm going with cat in front of my face. Okay, I like my train of thought. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, let me, let me ask you a question then. So, one of the challenges, I mean, when, we, when we've talked before, one of the challenges we find is that white people feel shame. They don't know where to start. They're worried about getting it wrong. They're, they don't understand their whiteness. And I understand that you're, you're, you set up a, a project, Project Color White, which uh, do you want to talk to me about why you've created that and how it can help white people be anti-racist? Yeah, I, I started that. Um, because I indeed wanted to reach out to other people or it was, it was a personal thing, actually. Like I felt all these things that were, were wrong and, and I had no idea how to, what, what, it, how change would gonna come about. And, uh, I thought, well, I want to talk to white people. How do they feel? Do they feel this? This um, it's very uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable being challenged on your your beliefs around the world because it feels like candy is being taken away from you. That's actually really how it feels. And and uh, I couldn't talk to my uh, uh, the women because I mostly work with women of color. Uh, I couldn't talk to them about this because they of course have an idea about it, but they don't. They're not white. They don't feel the way I feel, it's a, it, it waking up in this system where you are part of this oppression is something else than waking up on the outside of it and, and, and seeing this system work against you. What waking up with this privilege and you're going like, Oh geez, I've got this privilege. It's hard. It's really hard. And I wanted to talk to, to others that's actually how I uh, created this project. I wasn't thinking about creating a project. It just happened. 
it, it, uh, I, I wanted to have some white women come together because we already said, you know, it's the white men that's on top of it. I'm still am very weary about talking to white men about anti-racism because I immediately get into this uh, patriarchy thing where I'm not taking so seriously and that kind of stuff. I'm wary of that. I'm starting to get better, but it's... Um, but I wanted to talk to white women. And it turned out that is not that easy. <laughs> uh, uh, so then I thought, well, I'll make it a project and I, uh, I'll throw it out into those, to the world, like what my views are and how I you know, think that we can change this or one, so that we can start having a, a, a real constructive uh, conversation about what this actually means to dismantle um, anti-blackness in, in yourself and what you come up against, and so that you won't feel so alone. And in the meantime, try to uh, come up with some ideas about the world that you actually want, you know, because I don't want this world. I never wanted this world to be this way. This is not something that I, that, that I consciously chose. So uh, this is why I started this project, Color White, and it's still very difficult to get white people to talk about it. It is shame in there. We think that we have to take on uh, this, this guilt thing of our ancestors, and it's, not, it's, it's, it's never been about that. It's not what people want. We, 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 it's, you, can't change, you, know, you can't change the past. You really can't. I have ancestors who uh, um, had sugar plantations in Indonesia. And I can't, you know, I can't feel guilty about it, but that doesn't change anything anyway. You know, it's, it's what happens. You just have to be honest about it, that this is a part of it. And that's how you, you need to talk. And this is something that we, uh, as Western culture, we still don't do so well. I'm nervous about having a conversation um, about anti-racism. I'm, I'm not an expert. You know, where do I start? What if I say something? Um, so I think many white people are uncomfortable having this conversation because they, they don't feel they've got no, no anchor of, of, of their perspective. And, and I, th I think when we were talking about your, your, Project Color White, it was trying to create a safe space for white people to not know, white people to not be sure about how to have conversations without the fear of upsetting somebody else who maybe is part of that conversation. So it's almost like a safe space to explore whiteness um, because we have many communities where people who are not white, black people, uh, brown people, they come together and they have a passion to change the world. Whereas white people effectively are trying to change themselves, which is a lot harder sometimes than trying to change the world. There's no, the enemy is ourselves, effectively. And that's what you're doing is you're, you're, you're almost try battling your own infrastructure, your own family, your own friends. And people don't always have the tools because as humans, we like to agree with each other. We like to have easy conversations. We want to be superficial. But to actually start almost being paternal, maternal, or even matronizing or patronizing somebody by talking to them in a way about, about racism is not comfortable in our nature, is it? No, no. And, it, and, and you don't like to admit that you're, that you're fearful. I have, I have these, uh, currently I do these, uh, um, I call it let's sit and talk. I go out into uh, a public space uh, outside. Usually, I sit. I set down two stools, and uh, uh, with COVID, you know, a meter and one and a half meters apart, and I uh, invite people to come and sit down and talk to me about it. And uh, so that's all again creating a safe space. And there was this conversation recently I had with a white man, and he said, he said but I am afraid of losing what I have because I'm actually comfortable with what I have. I said, yeah, that's okay to feel. And to have this kind of conversation in a mixed group is difficult because it, you admit to, to, uh, 
to this fear that keeps other people outside of your uh, network or stuff. And, and so they get triggered on a different level while you need to own this feeling of, of, of fear, these, 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 these emotions that you have around it. There are a lot of emotions you're going to have. It, it, I remember doing, uh, going through different steps of what white fragility means, what white tears means, and what that, how that comes up in me. And I remember sitting there for, I think, a week it was of, of feeling no ground beneath me anymore, like everything I believed in had gone. And I didn't know what this new thing was going to look like. I still don't know. So yeah, that also in me, there's still some fear. So it, cause I'm for, you know, I'm, I'm, I was cheering about being 51. It also means that I've for 51 years been living in a, a certain way and I need to give it up. And then that, that's not fun. <laughs> like you said, you, we, we're not changing the, the rest of the world. We're changing ourselves, which is, uh, yeah, that is the fear. So you need the safe spaces. We need lots, lots more safe spaces. And we need to figure out how for white people, there is an urgency to this. Why to do this? Why do we need to change? Because, yeah, you know, you and me. We can withdraw ourselves and say, okay, we don't want to do this fight. We don't want to talk about inclusion. We don't want to, you know, we can withdraw in our lives. We can live happily ever after. You know, uh, uh, in Dutch, we say, na ons de zonsvloed, which means uh, after us, uh, whatever, you know, don't. I'll just live my life. And I can do that. I don't have to do this. this. I don't have to change the world because it's working for me in a certain way. And actually having to realize that this discrimination, this thing that we have learned to do, is actually causing us all these problems that are in this world. So there is an urgency for us to do it. It's our, actually, I will say it dramatically, it's our souls that are at, at, at risk here. For sure. I mean, one, one phrase I, I use myself is holistic, active and deliberate. And uh, that's about inclusion. We have to be deliberate about it and active. And um, what you're saying is if we, if we walk on by, uh, if we let it pass, we turn the other cheek, we turn a blind eye, whatever expression you want to use, we're not being deliberate and active. What we're doing there is we're, le we're letting something become more normal by the only reaction can and should be to say no, to stand up and be actively and deliberately anti-racist, anti-sexist, anti-whatever. Because the moment we, we let it pass, we give permission for it to happen again. And at some point, it escalates. So I, I think you're right. It's, it's incumbent on each of us to take an anti-stance of, and the, the oxymoron or the, yeah, the, um, is the uh, be intolerant of intolerance, which is which is a, a paradox in itself. So, but you have to where intolerance lays. We can't be tolerant of the, of anyone's intolerance, and anti-racism is just a a good example where we need to be intolerant of any racism and actively and deliberately. So that that's fantastic, and I I've. I, I'd love to find out more about your, your project color white. I mean, we've talked extensively. Um, if anyone's listened to this, um, how can they get, how can people get in touch with you to find out more about your projects? Project color white is on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, so you can type in project color white and, um, is that the American spelling of color C O L O R or is it the C O L O R? So the American spelling of color. American, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, we, we we like to put U's in our in our color. We have we actually extra U in our color. <laughs> American spell. So Project Color White, spelt the American way. Yeah, yeah. So you can find it on Facebook and on Instagram, and that uh, that gives you the access to the to the project and my contact uh, there. And in and on the Facebook, there's a, a a big note which I call the ground of Project Color White, which tells you about how I create a safe space for white people to talk about these very difficult things. 
Excellent. Well, that's, I mean, we're going to carry on talking about this and we're going to keep in touch and we're going to, I'm, I'm definitely being active and deliberate about my anti-racism and I'd welcome any one who's listening to get in touch with yourself uh, and myself. Uh, maybe you'd like to come and talk about what, what you're doing in anti-racism, maybe from a white perspective uh, on, on this podcast. Come and have a chat. Um, so a huge thank you to to Miral. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, thank you for the listeners for tuning in and uh, and sticking with it. Please do subscribe to keep updated on the future episodes of the Inclusion Bites podcast. That's B-I-T-E-S. Please tell your friends if you have some and your colleagues if you happen to have some colleagues as well. Uh, I have a number of exciting guests lined up that I'm sure you'd be even more inspired by if that's possible over the next few weeks and months. And remember, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, uh, please let me know. And I, as long as you're talking about something around inclusion, uh, making the world a better place for everyone to thrive, then no topic is off, off limits. So I'd welcome your comments, your feedback and suggestions to joe.lockwood at cgchappen.co.uk. Uh, tell me how we can improve future shows. Tell me what topics you'd like to hear. So finally, my name is Joanne Lockwood, and it has been an absolute pleasure to host this podcast for you today. Catch you next time. Bye.